0: Father, we come together this morning, come together to worship in Your presence, come together to yield our hearts before You, I pray, God, that that would be the attitude of our hearts, that it would be so true of each of us that we've come here today so that we might yield our hearts, open our hearts and minds before You, before Your Word, and before the working Holy Spirit to take the Word and use it in our hearts and minds to Strengthen us for faithful service to you. Strengthen us for faithful living day by day. Strengthen us for hope and encouragement and strength in times of great need. Strengthen us for proclaiming the name of Christ in this world in which we live. Strengthen us against sin. Lord, we come before you today. Lord, I pray that these these thoughts would be true of us, that we would open our hearts so that You might strengthen us, that we would be a strong people, a strong church, glorifying You with our lives, glorifying You with the way that we minister for God's glory. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, would you? 2 Timothy chapter 2, as we return this week to 2 Timothy and we begin in chapter 2, let me me ask you a few questions as you turn there to 2 Timothy chapter 2. How can we be strong? How can we be a strong people, a strong church, How can we be, and I'm not talking about numbers here, I'm not talking about being great in number, I'm talking about being strengthened in spiritual strength. How can we be a strong church? How can we be strong in our convictions, those convictions founded on the truths of God's Word? How can we be strengthened in our conviction over what we find in God's Word to strengthen us, to challenge us, to to stretch us to Christ-likeness as we yield to God's work in us? How can we be glorifying to God? How can we be strong so that we are effective for Christ in this community? How can we be glorifying to God so that we bring great glory and honor to the name of Christ in this community in which we live and work and play, go to school? and Boy, we need the strength of God, and we need it with the gospel of Christ at work in our midst so that we can be effective for the good of those whom we love and minister to. How can we be strong for that? How can we be strengthened for that? I just prayed and asked God to help strengthen us, but how can we be strengthened? What can we do? What's our part in this? As we arrive in chapter 2 of Second Timothy today, we're going to begin to answer those kinds of questions here in chapter 2. How can we be strong Christians? How can we be a strong church? How can we avoid false teaching and the natural drift away from the foundational truths of God's Word? And that is the natural inclination of every believer and every church, if we aren't cautious and guarded and strengthened, to drift away from the truth, to drift away from being strong in the truth to being weak in the truth. How can we be strengthened in the truth? Paul had sent Timothy, think about what Paul had sent Timothy into. Paul had sent Timothy out to help the church at Ephesus. It was a very difficult work. And Paul wrote to him in 1 Timothy to tell him how to set things in order in the church there in Ephesus. He was writing to him in 1 Timothy to tell him how to set things in order, how to do things in the church, and how to order the affairs of the church so that the church would be strengthened and encouraged and even corrected in some ways. Now he's writing to him in Second Timothy to help strengthen Timothy. First, he was writing to Timothy to help Timothy strengthen the church. Now he's writing to Timothy to help strengthen Timothy, to help Timothy be a godly man, a godly leader, a strong individual for, for God's glory. And he's writing to him with these words that we find here in Second Timothy to help strengthen him as he leads the church. Now these words can apply to us as well, because as God's people, we need to be strengthened as individuals. We each have a ministry given to us by God that He intends us to use for His glory as we minister and serve one another for the advancement of the gospel, and He expects us to be strong, strengthened spiritually, faithful spiritually, and so just as Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy to help strengthen him, so we need to be strengthened. We noted in the first chapter here that Timothy had likely shown signs of weakness and maybe even some fear and doubt about his role. Maybe his role in his own mind as a pastor and leader of the church in Ephesus was in question, and we saw in chapter 1 how... Paul wrote to encourage and build up Timothy and challenge him. Not not to puff him up, but to let him know what he had in Christ. Not to tell Timothy that he was some great find necessarily, but to tell Timothy that Jesus Christ found him and placed him into the ministry and empowered him and equipped him and gifted him for ministry. That's true of every believer. That God gifts every believer. God expects every believer to use those gifts that He has blessed us with and graced us with, and it was true of Timothy and it's true of us. But it's not unusual to have doubts, is it? It's not unusual to be weak at times, is it? It's not unusual for any believer, especially when things get difficult. And we may come to a point where we begin to doubt whether we're in the right place or whether we're doing the right thing. We may come to doubt whether we have what it takes to face the challenges that we face. We may even... We may even come to the point when we struggle to sin, struggle with sin, to the degree that we begin to doubt whether we're even followers of Christ, doubt our salvation. And just as Paul continues here in chapter two to write to strengthen Timothy in his service for Christ, this is also for us. This is for the church today so that you might be strengthened, so that when the doubts come and crowd into your mind and when you feel weak in the knees at time to deal with the situation that you find yourself in, you can realize that you can be strengthened. You can be bold and courageous, as we noted in chapter 1. You can be strengthened in your walk with Christ for faithfulness, to serve God, for God's glory, strengthened in your faith. I want to begin this morning by looking at what Paul writes in the first 7 verses here in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and then we're going to come back and take a close look at verse 1. Look at the first 7 verses with me because this is very helpful for us who desire to be strong in our walk with Christ, strong as a church. The first 7 verses of uh, chapter 2 of 2 Timothy. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, says Paul to Timothy. And In verse 2, "...what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops." Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Now there is a danger of being weak in our Christian walk. There is a danger in being... Ignorant or even ignoring the teaching of the scriptures, or even going further than ignoring the teaching of scriptures and taking the teaching of scriptures and twisting them to fashion them in the shape of our own desires, our own pursuits and what Paul writes of in Second Timothy is a clear indicator of this kind of danger. We noted at the end of chapter one. Do remember with me back a couple of weeks ago, we noted at the end of chapter one that Though there were some who had remained faithful and strong in the faith, there were those who fell away. There were those who deserted Paul. There, there, there were those who, in by name, Phygellus and Hermogenes, we saw at the, the end of chapter 1, who deserted Paul. And in deserting Paul, they also deserted Christ. They deserted the gospel. Now there were those who had remained faithful and strong, and those are the kinds of people that I want you to be, who remain faithful and strong. Don't fall away like those that we saw at the end of chapter 1. We're also going to see later here in chapter 2 that there were those who also took the truth, they twisted the truth to suit their own pursuits, their own desires, even causing dissension and conflict among the church, namely Hymenius and Philetus, mentioned in verse 17, we'll get to later. But to avoid this in our own lives, to be strengthened against this, in our walk with Christ and to strengthen the church, we need to learn how to be strong. We need to learn how to be strengthened as individuals. We need to learn how we strengthen the church as individuals who are strong in our walk with Christ. Note how Paul encourages Timothy to be strong. Look at it. Verse 1, You then, my child, Paul writes to Timothy as his child in the faith, not his child in the flesh, but his child in the faith because he is challenged Timothy in growth and helped mentor him and bring him along, and so he calls him his child in the faith. You then, my child, note how he challenges him to be strong, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Listen, to avoid weakness in our walk with Christ, to avoid taking the Scriptures and making them say what they don't say, to our own harm, to our own downfall, and to our own injury and the injury of others, We too must be seeking to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. To avoid weakness, we need to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But what is the grace that is in Christ Jesus and how can we be strengthened by it? I want to answer those questions this morning. What is the grace that is in Christ Jesus and how can we be strengthened by it? Let's just think briefly about the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What is this grace that is ours in Christ? It's a wonderful thing, this grace that is ours in Christ Jesus. God's Word teaches that the grace of Christ leads to freedom from the guilt of sin. Think about that. Freedom from the guilt of sin. The grace that is in Christ Jesus leads to freedom from the guilt of sin. For those who believe in Jesus Christ for salvation, there is no condemnation for sin. You will not be condemned for your sin. If you go to God in faith and believe in Jesus Christ and confess your sin, you will not be condemned for your sin. You will not face judgment for sin. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which means that those who trust in Christ have forgiveness of sins and have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. That's because of the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.7 says, "...in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace." Now, not only do we have freedom from the guilt of sin by the grace of Christ, we also have victory over the power of sin. And you need, and I need, victory over the power of sin. Because though we know Christ as Lord and Savior, and though we've been forgiven our sins and we do not face condemnation, we can struggle with sin, can't we? But in Christ, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, we have victory over the power of sin. By the grace of Christ, we have freedom from sin's hold on us, from sin's death grip. Jesus says in John chapter 8 and verse 31, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Verse 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. The, the truth of the word will free you from sin and shame and sin's death grip. And verse 34, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Don't ever forget it. Those who commit sin are slaves to sin. But then in verse 36, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Yes, we struggle with sin, but we continually go back to the grace that is in Christ Jesus, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus to indwell you with His indwelling presence in the Holy Spirit, to strengthen you, to set you free to free you from sin's death grip. And this is a work of His Spirit in us, says Ephesians 3.16, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Don't ever forget the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to empower you, to embolden you, and to help you be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus because that grace of Christ leads to freedom from the guilt of sin and freedom from the victory over the power of the power of sin the grace of Christ also empowers his followers for fruitful service he frees us from the condemnation of sin and the death that sin brings he frees us from being controlled by sin's death grip but the grace of Christ also empowers us to replace sin with something else, and that's service, that's ministry. The grace of Christ empowers His followers for fruitful service. In fact, apart from Christ, we can bear no fruit. Apart from Christ, we can bear no fruit, says John fifteen five. Jesus says it, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in Me and I in him, he, is the, he, is, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from Me, you can do nothing. And then in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, which points to the fact that it is by God's grace that we are enabled to be a functioning member of His body, the church. It's by His grace that we're enabled to function as a functioning member of the church because of His work within us. And 1 Peter 4.11 tells us that we are enabled for service by the strength that God supplies. Listen to me, you don't have strength to serve God, but it's the strength that God gives you. It's not your own. You have it. It's not your own. It's His. And you need to rely on the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You need to depend on the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to give you strength for service, to give you compassion for those who need to be served and ministered to. The grace that is in Christ also means for those who trust in Him a future in glory, freedom from sin, freedom from condemnation because of your sin, freedom from sin's grasp, freedom and power to serve, and a glorious future, a heavenly home. A wonderful future, a future in glory. Titus three seven says that being justified by His grace, we become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's yours. That's because of the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If you will trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, He'll forgive your sins. He'll loose sin's grasp on you to control you. He'll empower you for faithful ministry and service. And He'll give you a heavenly home. That's wonderful. Wonderful promises because of the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In the coming ages, says Ephesians 2 7, he might, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, and our heavenly home is part of that. And there are many more benefits of the grace of Christ, but those are just some of the high points of the grace that is found in Christ Jesus. So when we talk about what Paul says to Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's just a a mere nutshell, but a very serious one at that, thinking about the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, how are we to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus? How can we we be strengthened? How are we to be strengthened by that grace? Well, God has primarily equipped us with His Word to give us strength by our obedience to His Word, that we have access to the, we have access to His strengthening grace as we obey His Word. So He's primarily equipped us with His Word to give us strength by obeying His Word. You get that? You get strength when you obey. You gain strength when you obey. It begins with taking the first step of obedience. You don't have to be completely obedient. It's not like okay, yesterday I was completely disobedient. Today I'm going to be completely obedient. It's going to be difficult to be completely obedient one day when you were completely disobedient the day before. But when you take a step of faith and you say, I'm going to obey in this area. You know what? I'm going to obey in this area. And as God convicts you with your sin, you realize, you know what? I need to be done with that. He gives you strength upon strength upon strength. That's God's grace. The grace that is in Christ Jesus to empower you to deal with your sin. And He has primarily equipped us with His Word. Do not neglect the Word. You desperately need the Word to be strengthened. When you take the Word in and then you begin to obey the Word, He strengthens you for further obedience. Initially, that comes by obeying the gospel of Christ through faith and confession of sin, through which we obtain forgiveness of sins and salvation. Remember, your obedience begins when you confess that you're a sinner in need of saving. You you could do many other things in obedience to God's word, but if you reject Jesus Christ, if you refuse to repent of your sin and believe in Jesus Christ for salvation, it doesn't matter what else you do. First comes repentance of sin and then God's forgiveness and salvation. Romans 10:9 says, "If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved." That's where your obedience begins. But our obedience to God's Word doesn't end there. It begins there. That's the starting point. You see, if you obey God's Word and you repent of sin and believe in Christ and being forgiven of your sins and given new life in Christ, you ought to obey God's Word. You ought to obey God's Word. You know what the next step of obedience for a person who who trusts in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior ought to be? It ought to be baptism. Have you ever stopped and thought about that? God's Word again and again teaches that you be baptized. Not so that you would be saved, but so that you would show the world that you are saved, that Jesus Christ has done that work in you, saving you from your sins. God's Word teaches that those who are saved should be baptized. Baptism does not save you. Please don't misunderstand. But baptism is a step of obedience. It ought to be your next step of obedience after being saved. God's Word teaches us to be baptized. Baptism... Is not, again, it's not salvation. It's that next step of obedience after salvation. Baptism is that outward expression. It's an outward sign of what God has done in you, what God has done in forgiving you your sins, in washing you and making you anew and giving you his spirit. Just as Titus 3 5 says, He saved us, not because of works done by us. In righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Listen, baptism is a picture of that. Baptism is a picture of that, that by washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, when you confess your sin and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, you are washed and made clean, and new, and you're renewed by, by being given His Holy Spirit. And baptism is that next step of obedience that a, that a believer ought to take. So we're to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus by, first of all, repenting of our sins and believing in Christ by, by way of trust in Jesus Christ, forgiveness of our sins for salvation, and then passing through the waters of baptism in obedience to God's word, and then thirdly, we're also to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus by continually, continually walking in obedience to God's Word. Again, God's word teaches trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Confess your sin, be forgiven of your sin. That's the first step. Secondly, first not to pass through the waters of baptism. Thirdly, they ought to continue to obey God's word. We're to be strengthened by that grace that is in Christ Jesus by continually and constantly walking in obedience to what God's Word teaches us. We have the promise of God's abiding work in us when we keep God's Word. Think about that. You have God's promise of His abiding presence and work in you when you keep His Word. It's like I said before. Go to the Word. Take a step of obedience, and He encourages you and strengthens you for another step of obedience and Obedience upon obedience, strengthened by the work that is in Christ Jesus, the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 21, "...whoever has My commandments and keeps them..." We're talking about God's Word here. "...whoever has My commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves Me, and he who loves Me will be loved by My Father, and I will love him and manifest Myself to him." Don't ever forget... That you will be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus when you take steps of obedience to God's Word. God's abiding work will be in you when you keep His Word. The grace of Christ comes to those who are doers of the Word and not hearers only, right? It says James chapter 1 And then in verse 25 it says, The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. Listen, he will be blessed in his doing. You obey God's Word and God will bless you. How are we strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus? By obedience to His Word for one. Obedience to His Word. It's a big one. Taking steps of obedience. First of all, trusting in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Take that next step of obedience. God's Word teaches you ought to be baptized. If you haven't been baptized, I would encourage you, talk to me. I'd love to help you understand your need for for baptism and and schedule a time when we begin to prepare you for baptism. You need that. You need to take that next step of obedience. And then then take the Word of God and look at it. Say, I can't deny that this is for me. I can't deny that this helps me today and tomorrow. This is necessary for me, and I need to obey this and begin to obey God's Word, and He will bless you. You will have the abiding work of God in you and with you to help you as you obey His Word. So we're strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, by obedience to His Word, for one, but also through faithful and fervent prayer. How can you you be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus? you need to open the other line of communication. The first line of communication is God's Word. He communicates with you. The other line of communication is prayer. You communicate with Him. Prayer is one of the the greatest privileges this side of heaven for believers. But yet, we, we don't use it like we should, do we? Many times we neglect prayer. But it is one of the greatest privileges this side of heaven for believers. Think about it. You can, you can talk to your Heavenly Father, the Creator of the universe, at any time you want. You don't have to wait for night or weekend minutes. Right? You don't have to wait to, the, to use those cheap minutes, those free minutes. You can, you can talk to Him any time. Right? J.I. Packer writes of prayer in the life of a believer this way, God made us and has redeemed us for fellowship with Himself. And that is what prayer is. Fellowship with God. God speaks to us in and through the contents of the Bible, which the Holy Spirit opens up and applies to us and enables us to understand. We then speak to God about Himself and others and people in His world, shaping what we say as response to what He has said. This unique form of two-way conversation continues as long as life lasts. That's the privilege of prayer, folks. And You need to open that other line of communication. Prayer is an opportunity for believers to receive wonderful blessings in the grace of Christ. I want you to just note with me these blessings that are ours as followers of Christ through prayer. Number one, every believer needs ongoing forgiveness for sin, right? Well, You have ongoing forgiveness of sin if you pray. If you will go to God in prayer and confess your sin when you sin, you have forgiveness. Every believer needs ongoing forgiveness of sin. And in the grace of Christ through prayer, we have it. 1 John one nine, which I quoted earlier, if we confess our sins, right? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ongoing forgiveness of sins. Number two. In prayer, we also have strength from God by His spirit, in the inner man. We have strength from God by His spirit, in the inner man, says Ephesians 3:16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through His spirit in your inner being. Don't deny. Don't give up, don't discount. Don't shortchange that blessing that is yours if you will pray, because God promises if you pray, He will strengthen you in your inner being. And you need strength. I guarantee it. You need strength to live every day for Jesus Christ. I need strength to live every day for Jesus Christ. We're no different in this. There's nothing special about the one who opens the Word in his need for strength. I need daily strength. I need prayer. You need prayer. I neglect prayer. I shortchange myself. You neglect prayer. You shortchange yourself. Don't do it. And thirdly, through prayer, we also have the peace that surpasses understanding and overcomes anxiety. That's a big one. You need prayer so that you will have peace that passes understanding. Peace you won't be able to explain. Peace you even can't describe, but you'll know it's peace God gave you because you didn't make it yourself, right? And you're going, oh, what am I going to do? You know, or what's this? You know, how am I going to fix this thing? Or how am I going to get rid of that person? You know, and, right? We've all been there, right? How are we going to fix this? Well, we fret and stew, but God says, hey, wait, quit worrying and start praying. I'm not suggesting we're not going to worry, and God's word doesn't suggest we're not going to worry either. But God's Word says, wait, you you worry, pray, okay? Philippians 4, 6 and 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Now, if God thought we weren't going to worry, why would He bother to put that there? Right? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. In verse 7, And the peace... Of God doesn't say the peace of Kevin or the peace of whatever your name is, right? It's not your peace, it's his peace. When you pray, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, your heart needs to be guarded and your mind needs to be guarded so you had better pray in trusting your Heavenly Father to deal with everything that you need to have dealt with. If there's one thing that you need to be encouraged with and it's one thing I need to be encouraged with when we live in a world, in a society, when things don't go the way we would like them to go, we need to stop and remember that God is in control. God is the just judge. God is the righteous judge. And so we can sit back and pray and say, God, go get them. Go get them, God. Right? Well, we may not pray that way. We shouldn't pray that way. But we can say, God, I'm going to trust you because you're in charge and you're a much better judge than I am. I could go let the air out of their tires, but that's just a temporary thing. You know? Boy, we need to pray. How are we strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus? By obedience to God's Word, by faithful and fervent prayer, heartfelt prayer, humble attitude-filled prayer, humble before God. Thirdly, and, and we desperately need this, and sometimes we deny this, but we desperately need this, we also are strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus through fellowship with other believers. Now, we're talking about the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But the grace that is in Christ Jesus flows through His saints who are obedient to God's Word. And you need the fellowship of other believers. God intends for His children to be part of His church and not merely for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, I don't mean to to make little of the furtherance of the gospel. We gather, and we need to be a church that is strong and believing in, in the Foundational truths of God's Word and taking them deep into our community so that people will see Jesus Christ and see their need for Him. One of the major reasons we gather, but that's not the only reason we gather. God intends for His children to be a part of His church, not just to further the gospel, but also for the good of the saints. Because we can't do it alone. We can't face every day without the help and prayers of God's people and God's saints. You see, fellowship with other Christians is critical for us. Fellowship with other Christians was the mark of the early church. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 reminds us that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They gathered together for the preaching of the Word. You're here. Thank you. I'm I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that you're here and you're interested in hearing the Word preached. But don't stop there says so they came, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. And the fellowship. You need fellowship of other believers. You know what? In your state of need, you especially need fellowship of other believers. When you're in deep need, we tend to... What do we do? What happens when we... Sometimes, not everybody, but sometimes we tend to withdraw, don't we? We say, well, you know, I'm going to... I know, I've been there. Okay? When we when we tend to find ourselves in a deep pit, we tend to stay there instead of trying to climb out and go, go get around other believers where we need the fellowship and encouragement of God's people. That is how God made us. We need one another. We need the fellowship of God's people. And we can be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus if we don't de- neglect the fellowship of God's people. It was a mark of the early church. It ought to be a mark of today's church. God intends for His children to be interdependent upon one another. He intends for us to depend upon each other. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26 reminds us that we are to, to depend on one another and encourage one another so much so that, verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer. We can identify so that we can meet the needs of one another, so that we suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So we ought to continually, constantly encourage and build one another up in Christ, just as Hebrews chapter three verses twelve through fourteen says: "Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the loving God." One of the ways you guard yourself from having an evil unbelieving heart is to make sure you stay in a fellowship with the church, because God's people will help you be strong. And so, verse 13 says, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. You know how you hold your original confidence firm to the end in Jesus Christ? You make sure you don't neglect the fellowship of God's saints. He intends for you to be interdependent upon one another. Don't withdraw. From the church, when you, when you suffer, when you face hardship, even if you find yourself struggling with sin, stay in the fellowship of the church. And we do that by coming together frequently to stir up love and good works. The grace of Christ comes to those who belong to a body in which each part does its share, just as Ephesians chapter 4 Verses 15 and 16 reminds us we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We grow ourselves by sticking together together. We grow ourselves up, we build ourselves up as a a church who is a loving church in the love of Christ, in the grace of Christ Jesus, when we are careful not to neglect fellowship. That's being strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. That's being strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What wonderful blessings are ours because of the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Wonderful blessings. Do not neglect them. So to ensure that we benefit from the riches of grace in Christ, let's be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus through obedience to His Word, through faithful and fervent prayer, and through regular fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Be strong. Be strong. You need it. You need the Word, you need prayer, and you need fellowship. Be strong. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we do thank you for these words, your word, and how blessed we are to be able to have come together to open the word before our eyes and hearts. And how blessed we are to know that your spirit is here to work and to open our hearts and minds to the truths of your word. God, help us to not neglect these things. How grateful we ought to be, how thankful we ought to be that we have Your Word. And reminders like this one from Paul to Timothy to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. How thankful, God, we are for the grace that is ours because of the work of Christ on the cross. Suffering on our behalf. Taking the punishment of our sin. But conquering sin and death and the grave. Rising from the dead living today, empowering us with His Spirit, giving us His Word. Lord, help us to be obedient. Help us to take Your Word in and help us to live it out. Help us to be obedient to Your Word. Help us to not neglect the truths that You give us in Your Word. God, I pray that You would help us to not neglect the special privilege of communicating with You in prayer. Help us to to be very careful that we don't neglect that that other line of communication. Help us to take the Word in, but help us to pray and communicate with you about our needs and the needs of others, informed and shaped in our thinking by your Word. And God, help us to not neglect the fellowship of the church that you've designed for our good, that you intend for our good, and for your glory. We ask for this in your name. In Jesus' name, amen.